Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Pylon, a podcast about the NFL from Impact 89 FM Sports in East Lansing, Michigan. I'm Ian Drummond. Alongside me is Michael Marcock and Darren Baydoon. How are you guys doing this week? Doing pretty good. Currently, no Jacob this week, but... If he hops on, we'll get him in here. Regardless, got to get moving into storylines. The regular season is over. Playoff time is upon us. And with the regular season being over, one thing that everyone always loves to watch, Black Monday. Right after the regular season, coaches are getting fired who did not perform well. And in addition to the three coaches that got fired during the regular season, Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn, Bill O'Brien, on that Monday, Gase, Adam Gase, Doug Marone, and Anthony Lynn all fired from the Jets, Jaguars, and Chargers, respectively. I have to ask, because this is sort of something that I saw getting contentious online is the Jags position or the Chargers position more attractive. I think that sort of becomes a question of like what the job looks like now versus in the future. But what do you guys think? I think it depends on the coach. Um, I think the Jaguars are definitely going to be better for a coach who kind of wants his hands on everything and wants like to pick his players and being able to like actually participate in, like a full on rebuild. That's going to be where you're want to going to want to go to Jacksonville because you're you're going to be getting Trevor Lawrence. Um, so you're going to be having your franchise guy and you're going to have a piece to build around. But for the Chargers, they already have that in Justin Herbert. So I think the Chargers are more for like a win now coach, someone who literally can walk in and they can make the playoffs next year. Um, so I, I think, but f- for that reason, I think the Chargers are the more attractive job because I mean, if you're if you're any head coach, you know, worth your grain of salt, you're going to want to go to the playoff right away. And I think the Chargers give you the best opportunity to do that because of the base that they have with Herbert on offense leading the way, and then on the defensive side, they're going to be getting Derwin James back next year, along with a healthy Joey Bosa again, and you know, they they have a nice defense. So I think I think the Chargers. The Chargers could easily make the playoffs next year, so I think that they're the more attractive job. Yeah, when you look at the Chargers, their roster is still probably one of the better ones in the league. When you look at the offensive talent they still have with guys like Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, although he is going to be, I think, a free agent after this season. Defensively, yeah, I mean, you lose Derwin James for a whole week, whole year. Joey Bosa goes through his injury, injury issues. Melvin Ingram, their other good pass rusher, goes through his injury issues among other, you know, among other injuries they have on their defense. So for any coach stepping in, because this was, I mean, Anthony Lynn was fired a, a big part of because, I mean, they how many games this year where they had a lead in the fourth quarter and they just, um, they just, uh, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to close it out. I mean, if they were able to win half of those games, they would have probably at least been a 500 team or better. So, the Chargers, I think, are not a team that needs a lot to be a, at least a potential playoff contender AFC. I do think for someone who wants to get build an organization from the ground up, the Jaguars will allow them to do that because you'll have the pick to take 
Lawrence at number one. You've got, I think, I thought you have the most cap space available for this upcoming offseason. So, you know, like if the Jags do manage to pull off, you know, getting like, say, Urban Meyer or someone like that, I mean, he's probably going to want to pop, you know, that's going to be a situation where he's going to be able to probably have his say in terms of all the guys they bring in. And then obviously he'll have his choice of brand new starting quarterback. So, Either one is good, but yeah, I think it's just a preference on if you know, do you want maybe a sure thing now, or are you are you someone who wants to build up you know an entire program from the ground up? I would have to agree in saying that the Chargers are an incredibly attractive job right now. I feel like, especially for offensive coaches, unless there's some kind of weird timing issue, they've got to get pretty much whoever they want out of those considering the absolute firepower they've got there with Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and their solid stable of backs, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. It feels like they have a pretty complete offense right now that was just weirdly underachieving this year. Couldn't tell you exactly why that was. Um, you did bring up something that I wanted to ask, Darren, which is uh, what do you guys think of these Urban Meyer to Jacksonville rumors that have been brewing? Also, uh, welcome, Jacob. Is Yeah, good morning. Uh, sorry about that. I'm actually on vacation in Arizona right now, so the two-hour time difference threw me off a little bit. Uh, I'm not used to mountain standard time, but I'll answer your question is it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, idea. I don't know why urban Meyer would be most attracted to the Jacksonville job. I think he's best as a college coach. I don't know. I think we saw it with chip Kelly. I don't know if it'll work. I think he's best as a college coach and leave it that way. Uh, he, he kind of has to have control over players and with NFL, they're paid professionals. So he can't get on them the same way. He, he's known to be more scandalous coach. That doesn't really fly in the NFL either. Doesn't work the same way. So I'm curious to see if it actually happens, but I think he's more of a college coach. I would probably agree with Jacob in the essence that I do think that, I mean, you know, we looked at just because you can't coach in the NFL doesn't mean you aren't a good coach. I mean, you, you look at what Nick Saban did. I mean, his, his two years, he was the coach of the Dolphins. You know, they didn't go so well, but no one would doubt his ability to be a great coach in the college game, obviously. But if it, well, obviously if they, if Jacksonville were to get it, it would be a huge, it would be a big splash. I mean, it would instantly make them, along with, you know, drafting Lawrence, you know, getting Meyer as their head coach would immediately make them, you know, much more of a in, you know, name brand franchise in the league because of the star power that those two would bring from the college game. Um, I, I don't know if it's a good fit though, because I mean, some of the biggest, like the biggest reasons why Meyer retired from Ohio state and had multiple retirements in college, it was because of his health and because of how the pressure of the game was just how it would, you know, you would see him, especially as last year, Ohio state, you know, doubled over on the sidelines, clearly in pain and discovering things like that. So it's like, is it the best thing for the man's health for him to even coach in the NFL? Like just from that aspect. So I don't know, there's unknowns, you know, for a team like Jacksonville that really hasn't done much anyway. I mean, you know, I would probably like if they can pull it off, I'd probably say like, you know, what, why, you know, for them, it's like, why not? You know, we haven't had much. We haven't really had much success at this point anyway. So what's what's the harm if we try and bring like a guy like a Meyer in? But uh, 
for him, I don't know. Just yeah, with the way that his tenure at Ohio State ended with you know, scan you know some of the scandals and the health issue. It, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a nifty thing for me. I mean, I I think I think it's possible. I mean, I I lean more towards the side if he's a college coach. I mean, if you just quick, I mean, quickly, if we go back to Ohio State, the year after Urban Meyer left, you know, Ryan Day's had more success at Ohio State than Urban Meyer did. I mean, he's only lost one time. So, I mean, the the question is what, you know, was Urban Meyer really necessary? And I, I mean, he was because he's a program builder. He, he is a master of coming into a program that was like three and nine the year before, or like Ohio State's case was six and seven because that was the, that was their scandal year. And so they were six and seven. He came back in, made them 12 and 0 the very next year. Um, like he took over Bowling Green after they were three and nine. The next year they were like nine and three. It's, that's what he does very well. He's a culture changer. He comes into programs and he's able to change the culture. And I think for Jacksonville, that's what they need more than anything. Um, Trevor Lawrence will be great. He'll be a complete waste of your time if you can't change the culture in that locker room. And I think he can do that. Um, is he a long-term solution? I don't think so. But could he come in in the short term and for maybe three, four years, completely change the culture of that team and set them up for the next head coach to come in and basically work with the base that he set. I think absolutely he could. Um, so that's my thoughts. I think he can do it. I just don't think long-term, I don't think it would work. Yeah. I don't really see it working out all that long-term um, going back to Darren's thing about the health. Yeah. He was, he was having some serious trouble with that at the end of his Ohio State days. And I would be very worried about a guy who was having health problems and stress problems at a job where he could pretty much walk in and win like literally like nine out of 10 games. And he definitely does not have that in Jacksonville obviously just went one in 15. That's a much harder job. And, you know, pro football, college football, they're not the same thing. And I don't know if, if he decides to take this leap, is he, is he ready for that? Is he ready to deal with people who can just leave if they don't like it? You know, I mean, the transfer portal obviously came in like, pretty late in his Ohio state tenure, but so he didn't really get to have too much experience with it. So I don't know. I don't think he can't be successful, but I would certainly be worried for him. And I don't really know if this is the right move considering he's doing perfectly fine as a Fox sports college football analyst probably not nearly as much stress for him. And he gets to crack about Michigan every week. Um, that seems like a much more enjoyable job than coaching Jacksonville currently too. So I would stick with that. Yeah, I would too. I would too. But, you know, enough about these fired coaches, these potential coaches. Let's talk as we're always talking with Michael on about the Browns Steelers rested a lot of starters past week, no Ben Roethlisberger, bunch of defensive players out, but 
The Browns did pull off the win in the fourth quarter, staved off a comeback attempt from the Steelers, and as their reward, they get to face the Steelers again this upcoming week in the wild card round. Obviously, I'd like to go to Michael with his thoughts on this first. How do you like the Browns' chances this weekend? I mean, it, they took a hit, that's for sure. Um, the Browns will be out their head coach, without their starting left guard, um, and possibly still without other pieces. They're still doing testing throughout the, the, the facility. The Browns actually haven't practiced yet this week. Um, they're hoping to practice today, but they have received official clearance. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think – the non-practice time is less of a factor when you're literally preparing for the same team and a team that you know. Um, you know, no matter no matter if the Steelers are at full strength or not, the way I've been kind of thinking about the game is, and I'll break down it a little bit more when we get to the pick on and we start doing that a little bit, but as long as number six, number 24, number 80, and number 95 are on the field, the Browns are going to have a chance. And that's Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, and Miles Garrett. If those four players are on the field, we're going to have a chance to win. And – Denzel Ward is supposed to be back active for, for the game. I still think they got a shot because as people said, you know, the, the Stefanski not being there is a blow, but the first quarter is going to be scripted. It's all going to be his plays that he totally scripted out. So I think the Browns key is get it, get it, get a lead and make the Steelers have to throw the ball downfield. Something that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't do very well. And I think they can do that. I think they were hiding things and this week, um, they didn't use Nick Chubb nearly as much as they should have. And I think that was intentional. And I think, I think they can, um, but we'll wait till later to see if I think they will. Yeah, no, I think, I think it actually helps even without having Stefanski as the head coach for this game. I think it helps with the fact that you did just play them. They're obviously a division rival. So you've done a lot of prep on them this season and, you know, as a team, Pittsburgh, you know, they're not changing dramatically in one week. It's just, you know, you've got Roethlisberger playing, but then again, you've already had scouted them earlier this year when they had Roethlisberger. So it helps from the fact that they know Pittsburgh really well already. So even with obviously not having Stefanski is going to be a key blow, but in terms of getting prep for the, uh, for the opponent you're facing, they've already done a lot of that already. So I think that at least helps them for this week. It is yeah, it is tough. Like it looking at the matchup though, it is it is tough. I mean, I'm not gonna say the Browns have a chance. I think Denzel Ward coming back is going to play a big difference just because of how he can match up with you know uh Pittsburgh's varying receivers. Cause the thing is like it could, you know, they don't, you know, Claypool's gonna be a threat, Schuster's gonna be a threat, Deontay Johnson's gonna be a threat. So, you know, having be having the ability to have your best guy to be able to put on any one of those guys is gonna be good for Cleveland. Um you know, having his group of normal pass catchers back obviously made a lot of difference for Mayfield last week in terms of just how the offense was able to move effectively. And then, yeah, I think running the ball a ton with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in this kind of game and making Pittsburgh's defense have to play on its heels is going to be a big thing. Um, it's going to be, I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting because it's, Roethlis, it's like it's kind of a thing where it's like, well, is, is Roethlisberger, you know, is, does he still have enough juice left to be able to, you know, to have have the Steelers make a run? Obviously, for Cle, you know, for Cleveland, it's it's a big prove it game, and you know, so there's going to be a lot of juice with them being back in the playoffs since two thousand for the first time since two thousand two. So, 
with that without Stefanski, it makes it harder. But no, nah, like I'll agree with Michael. As long as those, as long as you have those, as long as if, if their key guys are, are if their if their key guys hit on if their key guys hit this weekend, they'll they'll have a shot. They'll have a shot. I think the offensive lineman being out really hurts because we saw how tough it was with um, the Browns when their other guard was out for a little bit. I'm trying to remember his name. I'm blanking on it. Uh, but Teller. Yeah, Teller when he was out. and But also Chubb was out at the same time. So I don't know if that was more of a Chubb thing than a Teller thing. But also Kareem Hunt's a very serviceable running back as well. So it makes me think it's more of an offensive line thing. Um that's the one thing the Steelers have is their defense. I'm not impressed with their offense. Like even against the Colts when they were full power, I don't know how the Colts who are supposed to be a good defense, let them do that to them throwing the ball. I get it. If you could have big Ben make 15, 20 yard passes, but if you play underneath and you make him throw anywhere downfield, it's going to be really hard. And I feel like the Browns were preparing for that for two weeks. You kind of give them some looks that they think might be there with Mason Rudolph, depending on how comfortable you feel with the game. Obviously, you don't can't lose it, but you want to make them feel comfortable. Maybe make them see something that could work. It's all it's all mind games because you know you're playing each other back to back weeks. So let's see who outsmarted each other more, Tomlin or Stefanski. Because even with Stefanski not being there, especially for this opponent, the, the assistant coaches will know it. The offense coordinators, defense coordinators, and like I said. If you don't think Stefanski will be watching this game and have a remote line to that sideline, you'll be mistaken. He has a way to communicate with them. It, it always ends up being that way. We saw it so many coaches coaching from hospital beds at the beginning of the college football year. Think Stefanski can't call on the phone. Stefanski will probably be in the stands somehow. So the NFL have rules against that. So I mean, as much as as much as it would be illegal, and I know that you know a lot of teams do it the Browns have already been fine in the past for doing that so actually I, I disagree I, I think he's going to be at home he's going to have no way of communicating during the game but he'll he's in he is still working virtually with the team right now the entire game plan is going to be set the team's going to know exactly what's going to happen it's going to be as if he's there he just won't be there in person yeah the only tough part with that is the halftime adjustments but I guess we'll see when they play You know, I had this matchup pegged for obviously a couple of reasons. One being that, again, we're, we always are talking about the Browns on this show. But also just because of how kind of odd it was for me to have these two teams playing each other back-to-back as this, like, serious divisional rivalry. And while I was watching – the Browns game on Sunday, thank you, early CBS slot. I kind of thought that, like, just very low key, like, that maybe the Steelers' passing offense is like a little more dynamic with Mason Rudolph because it kind of feels like he can do more down the field at this stage of his career than Ben could. And I kind of cringed every time that they replaced him with. Josh Dobbs to do some kind of like Ravens light option play because it was not working super well for them all day. I didn't understand it. But, you know, if they're going to put Ben back in, I don't have a lot of faith in their offense, especially with Denzel Ward back, although they did lose Olivier Vernon on the pass rush side. The Browns did. 
And I think that I think that this kind of comes down to what is the Browns offense going to do against this Steelers defense that's going to get a couple guys back from rest time. I do I mean I'd certainly like their chances especially if as um you guys said that they were you felt that they were holding Nick Chubb in a little bit. I think if they if they really turn him loose and if losing Betonio isn't so bad, hopefully they can keep that down on their offensive line, keep their other starters in. I do certainly like their chances against this Steelers team. Um, now I do want to get into what for me was the funniest pair of results of this past week, which was the combination of the Bears Packers game and the Cardinals Rams game in which the Bears got absolutely walloped by the Packers, 35 to 16, fell to eight and eight, yet still got into the playoffs because the Rams won a duel of backup quarterbacks between John Wolford and and CFL Grey Cup legend Chris Strever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who would who would have thought that that game was going to play such a massive role in the playoff pitch? I mean, we all did because you know it was winning in for both those two teams. We but, did put it on the pick'em for a reason. Yeah, I mean, but I did not expect Kyler Murray to get hurt on the first drive. Um, that was that was wild. Um, I mean, look, I mean. I think there's there's something there's something to be said like the Bears, you know, they got lucky and I'm sure they'll admit it. Um, but I mean they got they got a, they got a heck of a test ahead of them in the Saints. Um, the Rams are still Wolford's going to be playing this week in Seattle. So, um, but what it sounds like, at least when you listen to Sean McVay talk about it, he's kind of more comfortable with Wolford back there because Wolford has a running element that Jared Goff doesn't seem to have. So he can do some more things and he can design some plays that lets Wolford use his legs a little bit more and gets him out of the pocket and gives him a lot more time to throw. So I think honestly, from what it sounds like the Rams are, you know, ready to roll, you know, this is their guy for at least this week. Um, so, I mean, we're, we'll see how it goes. I mean, but I mean, like I said, for the bears, I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, you can't really feel great about it. Cause I mean, you, you mean you did, you got, you got smacked by the Packers. Um, and then you now you have to go play the second best team in the NFC seating wise in their place. Um, and it's I mean, it, it's a lot to ask. Um, and if you're the Bears, you can't be you can't be happy with how you got to the playoffs. You, you wanted to do it the right way by winning or at least keeping it close with the Packers. Um, but now you're kind of coming in. You have like zero momentum and you have to create momentum in one of the toughest places to play in all of football. Um, so. We'll, I mean, we'll see how it goes on Sunday, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, it's definitely weird. Yeah, no, Chicago to me, I think, I mean, listen, they, the last three teams they beat to get back into the playoff hunt, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, those teams are not good. They're all just – they all – they're some of the – three of the worst defensive teams in the league. Um, and the Packers – the Packers – smacked them pretty good in both their meetings that they played at Green Bay and then in Chicago. So, I mean, I think the Bears 
could they could their defense make it a little tough you know tough for new orleans just because new orleans doesn't have you know a super explosive passing game with drew Brees, maybe but to me this should not be that close of a matchup i think new orleans defense which is you know arguably which is one of the defenses in the league that could argue they're better than chicago's from top to bottom possibly i think they're gonna make life not very hard for mitchell trubisky and you know, the biggest thing I think also is for the Bears is that, you know, they need to run the ball. They, a big reason for their success is David Montgomery has got really hot late in the season. But if they're not able to run the ball, then I don't think Trubisky's going to have a shot. And then when it comes to the Rams and the Cardinals, um, you know, that's the thing going in that game where we made the pick and we made the pick last week, even before I think we found out that Murray was definitely going to play the game. But obviously then he got hurt on the first series, like Michael said. But, you know, I think it's just, like I said, like Sean McVay, is a good enough is has shown to be a good enough coach, especially offensively, to be able to put a game plan regardless of who's starting at center. And listen, he'd use John Warford. I mean, Warford, he used him as strengths. He used his athleticism to, you know, in terms of the running, the quarterback running game to make up for, you know, what wasn't a, a great performance passing wise, but even passing wise. I mean, they more than held their own and they have a defense that is going to make it you know, very hard on most um, um, on most teams every game. So this is a matchup against Seattle where regardless of whether Goff or Orford plays, I mean, yes, the Seahawks have Russell Wilson. The Rams, though, I mean, if their defense is really on in this game, I mean, this is, this is to me, I don't know, this seems almost like a toss-up game to me. I mean, Seattle's a three-and-a-half favorite. This seems almost more like a toss-up game to me this week in between those two teams. Yeah, I was just about to say, I, I when we did the pick on last week, we knew Goff wasn't going to be out, but we weren't sure about Kyler Murray. I still picked the Rams because I feel like at some point, a couple times this season, the one thing holding them back was Goff. And it's almost like if you add another running element to your game, what they thrive off in their passing game is setting up with the run. So if you already have to worry about Cam Akers running the ball, you don't really have to run, worry about Goff doing it. He's not like slow. He's not Big Ben, but he can move. And you have the new quarterback thrown in. You put on Wolford. He can actually make plays on his feet. You have to worry about him running now. It opens up their passing now. And they're only going to ask him to make 15, 20-yard throws. That's the way they play. So with that, I that's how I feel about the Rams. I won't get too much into it because we're going to pick them later. And then with the Bears, you obviously want to win the right way, but is any team really going to win the right way right now against the Packers, except for maybe the Bills or the Chiefs? And they don't have to play them until possibly the Super Bowl. So the Bears, uh, what will the Bears do? We'll see. Mitch Trubisky's a playoff quarterback. We all know how great he is in the playoffs, and he's our Lord and Savior, so maybe we'll see. Excited to see playoff Trubisky. Just absolutely unleash it down the field i'm sure that he will definitely be doing that against as darren said a very very good saints defense um i do also want to point out with the pick'em that i completely uh screwed up in that pick because i had no idea that and i this, this doesn't make sense to a lot of people, I think, why they would go with Chris Strievler over Brett Hundley for Kyler's, back, Kyler's backup. I mean, obviously, Kyler played anyway. He played the first, like, five snaps and then got injured, and then he tried again. But 
I really didn't understand why they would go with this CFL guy when they had a backup with like 18 games of starting experience in the league. Like, I know it wasn't great in those 18 games, but, you know, what I saw from their offense after Kyler was out was it was just ugly. And, you know, some I'm not really surprised that the Rams are able to win because they were able to just bring out a ton of quarterback run plays that the Cardinals would never think to prepare for against Jared Goff. As for the Bears, I do, you know, sure, they'll admit they got lucky, but they're never going to be sad about making the playoffs, and they're never going to complain about it, even though they probably are going to take a fat L this weekend. Although, as you guys said, we're going to cover that more in the Pick'em. Although, I do want everybody to give a matchup that they are especially interested in this weekend. Well, sorry, that's what we were going to do. But um, actually a matchup that you would like to see in the future in the playoffs, just regardless of what happens, what's your, what is a dream matchup that people would want to see, especially after this week? Uh, I'm going to go with, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a popular one. I want to see. I want to see the Bills Chiefs rematch in the AFC Championship game. Um, Bills are the hottest team in football right now, arguably the best team in football right now. I want to see them go into Kansas City against the defending Super Bowl champions and Super Bowl MVP. And um, I want to. I want to see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes just getting an absolute shootout. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, so, but I mean that that would be my. That's the that's the one I want to watch. Um, so yeah, that's that's mine. I'll stick with one common denominator there. I do want to see the Bills. I would love to see what the Bills and the Ravens game look like because the Ravens were finally starting to unlock their offense. And they have pieces on defense. There's a reason why they traded for so many different players, where they traded for Njoku and they also – not Njoku, Ndengwakwe, and also um, Clayus Campbell. They traded for a lot of pieces on defense, and they drafted Patrick Queen, and he's been really good. So I feel like if they get their defense put together right, especially in this first week, then maybe the Bills against the Bills, that'd be a fun game because I really like the Bills. I've been talking about the Bills. It's Josh Allen. I think he's a super – I think he's finally getting the respect he deserves and he's finally making the right plays. But I would love to see what who I think the MVP of the league is this year, Josh Allen against the MVP last year in Lamar Jackson. You know, that's the thing is that there are so many matchups on the AFC side that you could pencil in as like, you know, Greg, and, you know, you could talk about Ravens, Chiefs, you can talk about, you know, like, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Um, I'll go AFC though. I'll say, I'll say the Saints and the Packers because mainly I will say personally, I've all, I've been a guy like New Orleans has been like, obviously, you know, I'm a, you know, the Lions are my home team, but like, New I will say I've always been a fan of New Orleans just because, I don't know, they've always, they've always, Play, you know, the way they play, they've always been a good team. Drew Brees has been a really good quarterback for a long time. And I wouldn't mind, like, I think that it would be a great story to say, obviously, they've had some of the, you know, biggest playoff disappointments the last three years. You talk about the Minnesota Miracle in 2017, uh, the, you know, the non-called pass interference against the Rams in 20, you know, in 2018. I mean, they've had some of the most heartbreaking ways to lose playoff games 
in the last couple of years where, you know, a lot of people thought they would have been, you know, they could have easily gone to the Super Bowl. Um, so I think going into this year, because this is going to be the last, it could very well be the last run of Drew Brees' career um, going into this postseason. So I think seeing him going up against Aaron Rodgers, which like with like, you know, one more, you know, one last time for a trip to the Super Bowl and like, you know, a, a classic duel between two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think that'd be, I think that'd be a probably a pretty exciting thing to watch, especially for, for, for what we could be seeing in terms of the last games of Drew Brees' career. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't feel, I just, I can't get too much excitement about a lot of these NFC teams because you have teams like, you have teams like Washington where it's like, well, they're all right, but I don't feel like they're all that interesting to watch. I've always been more of an offensive football kind of guy and I just, I can't get too interested in that. Some of these teams are reeling. Like, I don't know what happened to the Seahawks offense. It's just, it's disappeared recently. The bears kind of tripped and fell into the playoffs. The Rams sort of did that also. So I'm going to also, I'm going to have to be on the AFC side, AFC side as well. And you know, obviously like, correct me if this is like completely impossible and like seating wise, because I haven't gotten super deep into the weeds on that, but if it's possible, I would love to see a third Browns Ravens game. I know that the first one wasn't the, I know that the first one was kind of a blowout, but the second one was one of the best, if not the best primetime games of the year. And I would love to see two of the best quarterbacks from their draft class. Just, I would love to see another one of those shootouts, heavy running attack, just very, it's just, it's very good to watch. It's very pleasant and I want to see it happen again. I want to see another classic there. Uh, I believe, yes, that actually could happen. I believe it would be Browns at Ravens in the AFC Championship game. That's the only way, I think. But Actually, no, it's not. If the Colts beat the Bills, the Browns could play the Ravens in the second game, in the second week. So that's it. All right, that's going to conclude the news, the stories, you know, sort of the big ideas section of the pod. And no cover this week since there's only six games, but I will throw it over to Jacob anyway for the final standings of that for the year. Yeah, so it's very anticlimactic here. Michael and Darren both finished at six and six. Ian and I finished at seven and five. Um, we tied for it. I guess it will have to come down and see who wins the total overall points without pick them and everything, just because um, that might show a little bit more um, who exactly might have had a 
more kind of a handle on things and knowing what was going on. So I won't let that kind of, uh, I will let that decide who's the best at uh, picking the games. So when we go over to the pick them here, we are not going to do an underdog because obviously each week um, it's possible that any of these teams could win against any of these teams. It's the playoffs. There's a reason these teams made the playoffs. So we won't do that. But just real quick on the points and the standings, Michael is sitting at 14. He took the Jets plus three, which did not hit last week. Uh, Ian is at 20. He took the Broncos plus two, which did hit, even though they did lose by one, so he doesn't get that extra point. Uh, Darren took the Giants plus three. It hit, and they won. Congratulations, Darren. And then I took the Falcons at six and a half. That did not hit, um, and I'm at 19. So it's pretty close. It's anyone's game. If they get hot during the playoffs and really get a hold on things, then anyone can come away with this. But the first game that we're going to be talking about is the Colts and the Bills. Um, Darren, your thoughts on Colts, Bills, and your pick? Uh, yeah, I think this is this is actually probably one of my easier games to predict. I think not that the Col- not that the, that the Colts aren't a good team, obviously, but I don't know. I think when you look at Buffalo, they are just to me right now in the AFC. I think they are the ma- I think they are the one team that could really that really looks like they can compete with the Chiefs. Obviously, their offense with Josh Allen, the way he's played all season, has been great. Stephon Diggs is you know who is already a really good receiver has now probably entered into the conversation with the year he's had as being one of the just best receivers in the league period. Um, and their defense, which didn't start the year playing well, I think ever since the midway point of the season has played at a top 10 level. So they've got, you know, they basically have been playing top 10 on both sides of the ball for like the last later half of the season. They closed out really well. Um, you know, they've, they've been, and it's, I think that it, this is a team that looks like it's ready to, really make a jump and could chat maybe at the, at the very least challenge Kansas City. Obviously the chiefs are going to remain the favorite, but based on the way they're playing, I think they look like the, the best competition the chiefs have in the AFC. And I think with, with Indianapolis, you know, they've had a nice year. Philip Rivers has had a nice, you know, comeback year after his struggles last year with chargers. But um, I just don't think they have, even, even with as good of a defense they have, I don't think on offense, they have enough firepower to keep up with this explosive bills yet. So I will be taking the bills in this game. Michael, your thoughts on the Colts and the Bills? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, every point that Derek made is a good point. I think the keys to the game for the Colts, there's two There's two keys. First of all, you're going to have to get a lead. You're going to have to run the ball. And with Jonathan Taylor, you're going to have to get the lead. You're going to – you can't let Phillip Rivers play from behind because that's when he starts to make mistakes. I think number two, but kind of back to the running game, you're going to have to control – the tempo of the game. You have to keep Josh Allen on the sidelines for as long as you possibly can. Jonathan Taylor is going to have to have a big day running the ball. Naheem Hines is going to have to have a big day running the ball. They might get Jordan Wilkins involved a little bit, maybe some, you know, jet sweeps with T.Y. Hilton or Paris Campbell. They, they need they need to find a way to control the clock, and they need to basically capitalize on every single possession. And that's a lot to ask. Um, I do think the Colts' defense is good enough to get a few stops. I think, I think they will stop the Bills quite – I mean – I would say a few times, I would say probably about two to three times, but that basically means for the Colts, you have to basically score on every possession, but one in order to be, to win this game. And I just don't think they can do that. I don't have a lot of confidence in Philip Rivers to do that because like I said, when he begins to play from behind, that's when he begins to make mistakes. So I think it's going to be closer. Um, I, I think like, I forget what the actual number on the game is, but um, I, I like, the, I like the bills in a closer one. But I'll take the bills. Yeah. 
Ian? I agree with Michael. Um, I think that the Colts are pretty much going to have to play perfect in order to hope to get a win here, or at least near perfect. They do have the defense to get some pressure on Josh Allen. They do have the defense to be at least somewhat disruptive towards this Bills offense. But I'm, I'm coming back to this game that the Colts played against the Jags last week, who, as we know, are they're hot garbage. And, you know, against a bad Jags team with absolutely nothing to play for and the Colts needing to win to get into the playoffs, they the offense did not look very good outside of just feeding it to Jonathan Taylor. When they actually had Phillip Rivers passing it, the stats are really not great there. And, and unless, unless Jonathan Taylor can be absolutely unstoppable, I mean, like he's got to, that's all that, that's all that they can really ask for in order to win here. I think that if the Bills can successfully even just sell out to stop that, I don't think that old man Rivers is going to do too much damage with his arm, even if you stack the boxes. And I just I don't see a path really for the Colts to win this because I don't think they can play at the level that they need to to win this matchup. So I will take the Bills. That is three Bills. I'll also be taking the Bills. We'll make it a consensus Bills pick. Um, There is a path here for the Colts, and that is to play the first half that you did against the Steelers, but do it twice. And that's the only chance they really have at winning this game because I can't believe what the Steelers' defense did or the Steelers' offense did that Colts' defense with Big Ben. I can't even imagine what Josh Allen's going to do to them. And I don't know. It's it's tough for me to see an exact pathway for the Colts except for – playing the best game of the year, almost. You'd have to be playing – you have to be somehow magically turned into the way the Raiders play the Chiefs when you're a significantly worse team, but somehow that's the one game you get up for. It, it's almost you have to make a rivalry out of Indianapolis versus Buffalo, and I just don't see it. So transitioning, this one might be a little bit more controversial because Darren was hinting at it a little bit earlier about this being more of a toss-up game. The Rams and the Seahawks. Darren, what do you think about Rams-Seahawks? I think this is a game where it makes it hard because obviously whether it would be Jared Goff or John Warford as a starting quarterback for the Rams, you're obviously going to, going to take Russell Wilson as being the quarterback to go with in this game. But the Rams' overall roster, I feel like you could argue is just better than Seattle. Seattle's defense has played better in this later half of the season. Um, you know, they haven't been – bleeding uh, passing yardage and points like they did in the first half when they were on pace to have one of the worst passing defenses in the history of the league. But when you look at the Rams, you look at the way their defense has played all year. uh, You know, they've got one of the best defenses in the league just in period. When you have Aaron Donald, you have, you have Jalen Ramsey, you know, you got, you've got a guy like a Leonard Floyd who's had 10 sacks this year. So, you know, they've got a defense that is capable of stopping can stop, you know, most people, most offenses in the league. Being in Seattle, I don't think 
you know, obviously everyone likes to talk about how big the 12th man is there, but obviously without fans, I don't think that's going to play into as much of an advantage in the playoffs, which obviously being a playoff atmosphere, it would have in a normal year, but I am very, you know, I think that I just, I don't know. I, there's something to me where I just feel like the Rams, if, if Russ is just off slightly, or if he's just not completely on his A game, I just feel like that the Rams have the personnel to be able to to be able to take advantage of that. And I think that, yeah, I think I'm actually I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna go with them in this game. I mean, they beat Seattle once. The, I mean, they are they beat Seattle once this year. You know, I mean, they split that series, so it's not like it's not like they don't know they can't beat the Seahawks. So I, I think I don't know. I think that to me just. I just have a feeling that overall their team, they're just a little bit better in terms of their total roster. And I just think, I think yeah, that that'll, that'll probably be my big upset pick for this weekend. Ian, your thoughts on the game? I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to take the Seahawks and <clears throat> mainly because, you know, the last time that these teams meet the Rams defense, which to be fair is, it's honestly playing it like an elite level right now. It was able to slow the Seahawks offense down quite a bit. And even though they have not been performing as astronomically good as they did in the first half of the season, you know, their defense has picked up a little bit of the slack to be sure. Um, but more importantly, I think that the Rams got extremely lucky drawing, you know, knocking Kyler Murray out of the game within like five minutes and then not having to actually take him seriously when he came back in because he had like one good leg. And it's a much tougher task to stop Russell Wilson than it is to stop one-legged Kyler Murray or Chris Strievler. And I do not trust the Rams coming in with a backup quarterback, even though they can make it interesting, certainly with some interesting quarterback run scheming. I just don't think that's enough for them. I think they they need to have something more. And they're, the passing did not look amazing in that game for them. And I think it's going to make them kind of one-dimensional and a lot easier for the Seahawks to handle. So I'm going to take the Seahawks for that reason. Michael? This game is very interesting. I mean, here's the thing that I'll say. I, I know for a fact a lot of a lot of you know experts and people who are you know on TV are, are picking the Rams in this one. And because they don't trust the Seahawks offense anymore. And you know what I think the problem is I think the Seahawks hear that. Um, the Seahawks know that for some reason, and it's really hard to pinpoint, but their offense just isn't – their passing offense is miserable. They can't throw the ball. Um, but I don't know why it feels like they're just holding something back. Um, Pete Carroll seems maybe getting in Russ's way. He's got to let Russ cook. But I'm actually going to take the Seahawks in this one. I, I feel like this is just such a game that everyone's just going to get on the upset train, and it's just not going to happen. Um, I, I don't like, I just don't think the Rams are going to be able to score enough. I think their defense is going to be able to keep them in it. But like we saw with new England last year and the Patriots, you can have the best defense in the world. If you can't score, 
you're not gonna um, you're not gonna win the game. And I think even though the Seahawks defense is suspect, they have like no pass rush. Um, their sack leaders, their starting safety. Um, I I still think the Seahawks can do enough to get the job done. Let Russ do his thing. Um, run the ball. Chris Carson's been an animal this year when he's been healthy. And I like the Seahawks to win this one at home. See, I just – I put myself last on this one because, like Michael said, he thought it was a trendy upset pick. And I wanted to make sure not too many of you would take the Rams because I wanted to take the Rams. And I was going to fade all of you with the Seahawks. Uh, but I am got my original pick, so I'll stick with Darren. And I'm going to go with the Rams just because – for some reason, I don't know what happened to the Seahawks offense, but it's not as impressive anymore. And if they can – you have one game of tape on Wolford as a starting quarterback, and the Seahawks might not be able to prepare for it the same way. And I really do think that Goff almost held them back at times. And I know that you paid Jared Goff a lot of money, and I like Jared Goff. I don't think he's like a bad guy or anything. I've always thought he was a funny dude. Whenever I listen to him, I'm part of my take. I like him. But, like, he's got some real issues that give me more he's closer to Mitch Trubisky than he is to Patrick Mahomes. And do you really want that in a quarterback that can lead you back to the Super Bowl? It's tough. So I'm going to go with the Rams. Moving to Bucks and Washington football team, I don't know if any of you guys want to chime in and tell me I'm wrong, but are we all good with the Bucks here? And for obvious reasons, uh, anything? No, I would. This good? is this is kind of my upset, actually. Oh, Ian, Ian, let me let me take a step back in the Zoom here and mute my mic and let you go off about the Washington football team here. So let me go ahead. You know, I understand that it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a, it hasn't been a great time for the Washington football team lately dealing with, you know, the, the foolishness from Dwayne Haskins, but I believe they're getting Alex Smith back for this. Am I correct? Yeah. They had him last week. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, the Bucks are pretty hot right now, obviously, but I'm looking at these last few games and it's like, I'm kind of getting that same feeling that I did when I saw, like, when we were talking about like Trubisky being hot because he played like the, you know, the Texans and whatever. It's not really an achievement to put up huge numbers this year on the Lions and the Falcons and the Vikings. But this, you know, this Washington defense is, they're legit and they've been legit for a lot of this year. And I think that, you know, I think that they could give Tom Brady some real trouble here, despite him having like the infinity gauntlet of offensive vets to throw to. I think that if they can keep this one low scoring, that they could do just enough to squeak an upset out here. What I will say, I think Washington's key to victory is similar to the Colts. They're going to have to run. They're going to have to score first. They're going to have to get a lead and let that defense take them home. Uh, unfortunately, though, you know, they have, you know, Tom Brady's on the other side. I mean, no lead is safe. 
and Washington's just not going to be able to put up enough points. So that's the only reason that I have with it. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. Tom Brady's going to find a way to pick it apart. So, Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. This is the first time Tom Brady has made the playoffs as a wild card. I saw that this morning. I was like, wow, that's impressive. I don't know if Mike Evans is out. He had a pretty bad and, like, hyperextended his knee a little bit there in the end zone. But it's not like they don't have a plethora of weapons to be able to throw the ball to, especially. I do think Ron, I think Ronald Jones should be back for this game. I think he was back last week but in a limited role after all the stuff that he's been dealing with with COVID. So if he's back, the way he's been running the ball this year has been really, really great. And their defense has players. And uh, I don't know. I just think Washington and the Colts are similar. But the Colts were an 11-5 football team and Washington is 6-10. and 10. So I'm going to go with the – 7-9. 7-9. and, nine. Seven and nine. Sorry for the disrespect. Um, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the Bucks here as well. Darren, your, your disrespect only fuels them. Hey man, if if they win this game, I I don't want to I think that would be the biggest upset of the week is them winning this game. And with everything that's happening in Washington DC right now, uh, all that craziness, if they somehow can find that as like motivation or something, I don't know, then maybe, but I just don't see it for them. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, could, I, I mean, listen, Washington. The one thing Washington has that can make this game interesting is the fact that they have the one ingredient which teams that beat Tom Brady when he was New England usually have, which is that they have a very good defensive line that can get pressure. Uh, you know, that can get pressure all around the pocket. So, you know, they could make it interesting. But the thing is, is that it's it's a thing where yeah, could Washington's defense keep it close against you know against the Bucks for a bit? Yeah, maybe, but. I don't think their offense is going to be able to move the ball enough against the Bucks defense that has, you know, the caliber of players they have overall where I just think that even if it's not a blowout, you know, early necessarily to me, I just think, I think the, I think the Washington's defense is just going to have to do so much in this game to, to keep them in it. And I think that the Bucks, it's just going to be a point where the Bucks offense is going to be able to lean and lean on them at the very least, and just be able to break them and you know, pull away late at the very, you know, in, in probably the best case scenario, you know, normal scenario could be that the Bucks are just good. They're, you know, they're just, you know, they just, you know, outplay them and they just end up just winning by, you know, multiple touchdowns, which I could also see happening uh, easily as well. But yeah, no, I, I think Tampa, you know, it seems like Brady right now, you know, they're on a bit, you know, he's been able to get on a hot streak to end this season. So I think, I think he'll play well. I think, yeah, I think they'll get the, the win there in Washington. The next game is the Ravens and the Titans. This will be an interesting game as well. Two teams that are really going to run, run, run the football. Um, I'll start this one. My head tells me to pick the Ravens. And so does my heart. I'll follow my heart and my head. They're not fighting. I'll take the Ravens because I think that the Ravens are getting hot right now. They're and I don't trust the Titans' defense. It's been the thing all year is their defense has been bad. I feel like the Ravens can put stops together. The Titans, man, that team is a doormat. People are stomping all over them. So I'm going to go with the Ravens because how explosive their offense is and how bad the Titans' defense is. Ian? Well, you are certainly right that people are stomping all over the Titans on defense. But the main issue is that the Titans are also stomping over everybody else on offense. 
which is why they get into so many of these close, high-scoring games, much like the one that they got into with this exact Ravens team earlier this season, which they had to go to overtime, obviously, for Derrick Henry to get them a win and also get me a fantasy win that week, I believe. So, you know, certainly I don't expect this to be some kind of, like, low-scoring defensive shootout. I think that both, you know, both these teams, they are going to run all over each other. They're going to both be really good at it. They're going to be really successful. And to me, this is kind of the biggest coin flip of the week. I'm going to also go with the Ravens because, like you said, I think they're hot. And, you know, I, you know, even though I know that, I know the momentum is kind of a lie, but like, I'm absolutely believing in it. I do believe that they're peaking at the right time. And I think that they can get just enough stops on this lethal Titans offense to carry them to the win. Darren. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, the listen, the way Derek Henry and the fact that, I mean, getting up to 2000 yards is something that is like, I think there's only one back in the league that, who has ever had a 2000 yard season is not in the hall of fame. I think that was Jamal Lewis. Other than that, you're talking about putting up, you know, rarefied air with guys like Barry Sanders and, you know, players like Adrian Pearson, players like that. So the Titans, because it's like, it's like the battle between him and Lamar Jackson in terms of just who can run the football better. It's like the irresistible force versus the immovable object. It's so hard to, to pick who do you think is going to have a better game, but I'm going to pick the Ravens because because like what everyone said, I think I said this last week, they they are peaking at the exact right time. Lamar Jackson is has been playing more and more like his MVP self from last year after, you know, kind of, you know, having some struggles to enter through this season. The, the, the Ravens are just, you know, they're just hot. You know, if I had to pick another team after the Bills right now that I think could challenge Kansas City, I'd probably pick the Ravens just because, you know, Lamar is playing like he, like he played last year more. They're running the ball incredibly well, and their defense – which has actually probably been good all season really is capable of stopping people. And that's the difference for me in this game between the Titans, where even though their offense is one of the best in the league, you know, you, you know, you've got Ryan Tannehill who's obviously can you know throw the ball really well and has done that this season, but their defense can't stop anybody. You know, it, 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 it gives up so many points. I mean, look, look what they did against, you know, I mean, they, they almost lost that game against the Texans last week, if it wasn't for, you know, a, a miracle just fit, you know, just an absolutely beautiful 50 yard pass that with that set up the Titans field goal uh, near at the end of the game. You know, we don't know. I mean, they could have lost that game in overtime, depending on just whoever got the ball. If, if the Texans got the ball first, because obviously the Sean Watson is that good. But I just feel like if, if, if I had to pick one team who needs to make a stop in this game, I think it's the Ravens by a lot. And with the way their offense is playing, you know, I think that, they're overall as a team, they're just a little better than than Tennessee. And so, yeah, I think they're peaking at the right time, and I think they'll win this game. Michael? I mean, I mean, we all know about the rushing offenses. I mean, this game's going to be over in 90 minutes. I mean, this, this thing's going to just fly. Um, the Ravens ran for 406 yards last week against the Bengals, and that was, like, I believe it was a franchise record. And, it, it, I mean, 406 is a lot. Um, I mean – Look, I mean, I agree the Ravens are hot right now. 
Um, but we also have to take into account who they were playing. I mean, after they beat the Browns, they beat the, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals, three of like the worst teams in the league. Um, I'm not saying that it's still not impressive. Beating a team 38 to three, no matter who the team is, is impressive. Um, I, I, but I think, I actually think the thing that's going to set this over, it's the revenge factor. Baltimore wants nothing more than to end the Titans season. They've been waiting for this moment. They've been waiting for this for an entire year and the stars align that they get that chance and they get to do it over in their place. Um, honestly, this, to me, this is my blowout of the week. I think the Ravens win this one. I don't think it's very close. Um, and uh, so I'll, I'll ride that with the, with the revenge factor and I'll take Baltimore through. All of us take the Ravens there. Um, moving on to the Bears and the Saints. The Bears barely eked into the playoffs. The Saints, Drew Brees hasn't looked the best since he's been back from his multiple rib injury. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts? We'll stick with you. What are your thoughts on the Bears and the Saints? Is this going to be a close one or a blowout? I mean, I think it could be a blowout, but, I mean, it is the playoffs, and the Bears' defense is pretty good. And um, – Whoops. And um, Drew Brees hasn't been able to throw the ball downfield, at least as he usually has. Um, and I think that's going to give the key to the Saints controlling the Bears defense is just getting the ball out quick. Um, it's going to be the quick screen passes, the little quick slants, the crossers, um, stuff that lets Drew Brees get the ball out quickly before like Khalil Mack can get in the backfield and take his head off. So I think um, – I, I mean, I think the Bears are going to be able to get stops in this game. I'm not too impressed with the Saints offense at the moment, but the Bears offense is just so, I mean, it it really, I mean, what Trubisky are we going to get? Like the last four weeks, we've seen great Trubisky and we've seen bad Trubisky. And if he plays great, I think the Bears could win the game. If he plays the way he played last week, they're, they're going to lose by 30. Um, and I just think the odds are that he's not going to be great. He, I think he'll actually play pretty well but he's not going to play good enough to win this game. So I'll take the Saints. Darren? I think that – I don't think it's going to be that close, honestly. I just look at I, – I look at what the Saints have done, you know, even without – with losing nearly all of their – basically their entire running back room last week against uh, the Panther against the Panthers. I mean, they still won 33-7. They still got a guy in Ty Montgomery who I don't know. I can't remember the last time he played, but he ended up having 100 yards and Drew Brees had – you know, a fishing game. And so I just think the saints are a team that they're so malleable. I mean, they can, they can just win however you need them to. They can win with defense. They can win with running the ball on offense. They can win with, you know, a more dink and dunk passing with Drew Brees that still, you know, it still can find its ways to be effective. So they're just able to mold themselves into whatever team they need to be. I think for this game, I just think that, you know, against a defense that can really get after you. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is going to have that good of a game. They're going to be focused on stopping David Montgomery, which should be because of how good he's played as of late, which, you know, if, if Chicago isn't then able to build off the play action, if you're going to be asking Trubisky to, you know, have to run through, you know, multiple reads and then do those kind of things, he hasn't shown, you know, that's not what he's good at. So I think the Saints forced them into more of a obvious passing situation in terms of their offense. I think that Chicago isn't able to overcome that. I think that New Orleans just, you know, they do what, you know, they, they do what they do well. You know, they, they're able to hit their spots in offense. Drew Brees is efficient. They can, they'll run the ball enough. And I think they'll take this. Yeah. They'll take this against Chicago. Ian. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Saints. 
just, you know, I know that Michael asked the question, are we going to see good Trubisky? Are we going to see bad Trubisky? It's a very good Saints defense. I would be willing to put money that we're going to see bad Trubisky. And bad Trubisky is not getting you anywhere. I don't think that Chicago's defense has looked as impressive as it did to start the season when they were inexplicably five and one. And without that level of play, I don't think there's any way that they can take this against the Saints. Oh, how wrong you are. I've been saying it for weeks. Mitchell Trubisky, our savior, the reason he was the number two pick was because he's the best, because he can do it all. And that includes going down to New Orleans and losing to the Saints. I'm going to take the Saints, too. Uh, it makes no sense. Uh, I love Trubisky. It's a funny joke. I don't think he's that good. I don't think it's all his fault sometimes. I don't think uh, – you know, I just don't – I don't know. Uh, the, bear, the Bears – the Bears are where they're just in mediocrity. If you want to get in at eight and eight and just continue to be an average football team, you can do it. The Texans did it for like five years and then traded away all their picks because they thought they were one step away. And now the Dolphins will be taking their number three pick in this year's draft when they crucially need a player. The Texans, it's a different ramp, but the Texans are screwing over um, Deshaun Watson. And I feel like the Bears star and Khalil Mack is getting screwed over in the same way. And his career is going to be wasted with trading for players who are on bad teams and then losing first round picks. And then they're just going to be stuck in mediocrity for a long time. So they need to, they need to decide to either fire the coach and blow it up or really commit. But that's a little long rant for me and pretending that I was going to take the Bears just to say the Saints, I think it won't be close unless their defense plays the way that they played a couple of years ago. And that hasn't been the same defense. They've lost a lot of pieces. So I'm going to take the Saints. Moving on to the game that, oh, boy, the game. The Browns and Steelers. Ian, we'll save Michael for last. The Browns and the Steelers. Ian, will you start, please? I'm going to put my energy in – I'm going to put my energy in Michael's corner, and I'm going to go with the Browns. These teams just played each other last week. I know that they've been going through a lot with, obviously, uh, COVID running through the team, not having Stefanski, being down an offensive lineman, this, that, and the other thing. I just – I don't really believe in the Steelers. I don't. I think that – I think that they've – mostly not looked very good for the last six or so weeks to end the season here. And I don't expect too much of that to change for the playoffs. You know, they, they can't magically make Ben Roethlisberger be able to throw deep. And especially if the Browns do get Denzel Ward back, especially if they can really get Nick Chubb going, and Kareem Hunt, that's going to be huge for them. I think this team has the ability 
to win this game, and I think that they'll come out and do it. I think they're going to be especially hungry knowing that this team has not made the playoffs in over 15 years. It's time to bring a dub to Cleveland. I, as a Lions fan, we're all bad luck. Ian, Darren, we're all bad luck. When we root for a team, they lose. They disappoint us. They hurt us. I don't three lifetime with my Stafford jersey on. Oh, terrible. Did you hear that? Oh, and three. I'm going to do you a favor here, Michael. I'm going to take the Steelers because I have a feeling all of us might consensusly start leading towards the Browns. And if all of us take the Browns, there's 0% chance they win. So I'm going to put Steelers energy out there. I want the Browns to win. I hope Michael can feel the happiness that Detroit fans of just winning one playoff game, a playoff game. I know the Browns want to do more because they're a better team than that. But the, the one is the – you're chasing the one, getting that first win to feel like my team isn't shit. And, Michael, I want that for you so badly. So I'll take the Steelers. Uh, Darren, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I could. I have everything Jacob just said. I can completely sympathize with. Obviously, um, it's tough because obviously, you know, the the sentimental part of me wants to take the Browns because I want to, you know, it's like for because I can understand. Obviously, as Jacob said, you know, the suffering, and I would like, you know, I you know, I always want to see the underdog have that success. I think though, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with Jacob and pick the Sears, not because I don't think the Browns can win because although not having, not having your head coach for this game, even against an opponent, you did just play the week before as you know, we talked about earlier, but it's a big thing. I mean, it's, it's your first playoff game that you've had in since 2002. I mean, the energy for it, the pressure, that I mean, the pressure that's still going to be on you to get, you know, to get that, that monkey off your back in terms of just finally, you know, getting a playoff win after so long, it's, my head tells me that in a situation like that, air on the side of the Steelers have been here before. Rossberg has obviously won two Super Bowls. It's not that, again, my heart would probably go with Cleveland, but I think I'm going to agree with Jacob. I'm going to put that because obviously I'm going to agree with Jacob and say that if we all pick the Browns, they probably will have no shot of winning. So I will go with my head slightly on this and I will pick the Steelers, but with my, my heart, so to speak, still rooting for the Browns to finally, you know, to have some success. You know, for, for the many Steeler fans that I just know listen to our podcast, um, there, there have been a lot of Steeler fans that have been trying to undermine the Browns accomplishment and, you know, just trying to say, Oh, you barely beat the Steelers backups. Here's the thing about the game. This, the Browns were missing just as many players as the Steelers were mainly on the defensive side of the ball. Like I could have caught a pass on those corners. They were so miserable. Um, I, and everyone's trying to, you know, they're trying to tell, you know, Browns fans how to feel. You shouldn't feel good about this. You're going to get blown out on Sunday. We don't care. We're happy to be here. Um, It's been 18 years since they've even been in the playoffs. Actually last time they were in the playoffs, they played the Steelers. Um, And the last time they won a playoff game was 1994. Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Browns last time they won a playoff game. Um, I think there's a, there's just an energy in this team. It's a no quit attitude. Um, you know, since Stefanski 
in his, you know, in his press conference yesterday, he was talking to the reporters and he was saying he, he told, he was talking to the team when he found out that he wasn't going to be able to coach. And he said, we ain't making excuses. We're going to go in there. We're going to create a game plan. You guys are going to go win a football game without me. And I'll see you in Kansas city, which is probably where the Browns would be headed with a win. Um, you know, I, I just, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to be playing. I think last week, Nick Chubb didn't run the ball a lot last week, especially late in the game. And I think that was intentional. I think as risky as it sounds, I think Kevin Stefanski was holding back Nick Chubb to save him for this game, to run him into the ground. Same thing with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was not on the field as much as often. He's still recovering from COVID. I think he, he was strategically resting some of his starters to just go full speed this week, knowing that we were going to be playing the same team again. I think he held back in his play calling because he knew we were going to be seeing, seeing the same team again. I think, I think that there's, there, there's just, there, there's a spark here. Um, I, I, I can't come on this podcast and say that I don't think they're going to win. So I'm, I'm taking the Browns. I think, I think they're going to win. Um, I think if they can get a lead and they can make the Steelers have to throw the ball downfield, I think that's going to play a huge role, especially with Denzel Ward back there and Ronnie Harrison's back and he's going to be more healthy and BJ Goodson and, you know, Jacob Phillips and our linebackers finally getting healthy. I just think, it's a perfect storm. I mean, everyone's like, oh, the Steelers are getting all their players back. So are the Browns. The Browns are getting just as many players back as the Steelers are, and they're just without their head coach. And they have very smart people in the building. The game plan's going to be set. The first quarter is going to be completely scripted. It's going to feel like Stefanski's calling the plays. Halftime adjustments, we're going to see what, where that goes. But the Browns' defense is a second-half defense, and the Browns are a second-half team. And so I'm going to take the Browns in a close one in an upset. And we'll see you all in Kansas City. Great way to put it, Michael. That closes out our pick'em segment. A quick recap. We all took the Bills. We were split halfway on the Rams and Seahawks. Darren and I taking the Rams. Ian and Michael taking the Seahawks. Ian, the lone Washington football team taker. We'll see if that one pays off for him with a lead. It's a risky pick, but I kind of like it. Uh, we all took the Ravens against the Titans. Uh, we all took the Saints to beat the Bears, obviously, and we were 50-50 on Brown Steelers with all of our hearts definitely rooting for the Steelers. But maybe if we all would have taken the Browns, they would have lost. Somehow they, they beat them last week when we all took the Browns, but it was a close game. So Darren and I doing Michael a solid by taking the Steelers and also hedging our bets a little bit. So I can say I told you so next week if uh, Browns do lose. So back over to Ian for the show close. Thank you very much, Jacob. As always, pleasure talking ball with everybody. <clears throat> and that'll do it for this week's pylon. Gonna wrap it up real quick because I know that some of us have places to be today. But, you know, we'll see you next time. Hopefully with some excellent playoff games to talk about, digest, think over until next week. Like Michael said, see you in Kansas city.